Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, September 6, 2022. Today on the Ether, Secret Spaces, featuring Confio Tech on Secrets Upgrade to Cosmwasm 1.0. Let's take a listen. All right, I'm not sure if Jay's going to get his audio working, so I'll go ahead and get things started. Welcome to another Secret Spaces. This week we have Ethan Frey from Confio, as well as Asaf from Secret Labs and Erdman from the Secret Agency. You guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves, uh, starting with Ethan? Hey, what's up? Nice to be here. Um, yeah, my name is Ethan Fry. I invented Cosmosm. I uh, started about three years ago on that thing and have been full on it since then. Before that, it's been another three years or so since January 2017. And the Cosmos ecosystem, working in early versions of the Cosmos SDK, uh, IBC white papers back in 2017, and lots of other tech out there. Awesome. It's great to have you with us. Asaf, you want to go next? Yeah, hi, uh, I'm Asaf Morami, uh, a co-developer of Secret Network, working with Secret Labs. Um, super excited for today. <laughs> Ethan is a person I look up to in the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, wherever I go, he's there. I always see your comments on all tendermint issues. Whenever I want to implement something in our chain app, uh, I look to see how you did it in WasmD. Uh, and even the other day, TS3 layer popped up for me on Twitter. And when I went inside, I saw your name all over the committee story. So, yeah, really excited. <laughs> all right. And Erdeman? Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Erdeman. Um, I'm one sixth part of the secret agency, helping them with uh, doing several educational content, but also trying to, to help anyone on Twitter who's lost, uh, helping them understand secret network. I work with Asaf and Secret Labs on creating certain um, tech content, which is also include, which also includes the, the developer documentation. So, if you have ever ever have any questions about the secret tech stack, the functionalities of IBC, then uh, hit me up on there. Awesome. Great to have all of you with us. Before we get started, I want to mention we are distributing a secret badge for attending the secret space as usual. If you check the pinned tweet, you should see it in the space. There's a link in there to stash, and that's where you can mint it. All you need is the claim code, which is IBC, just the three letters, IBC. And with that, I'll hand it over to Asaf, and we can get started. Cool. Uh, so, Ethan, you, you've been called like the father of Cosmosm. So maybe just to start, I would love to hear like how, how Cosmosm came to be, like from your point of view. Sure. Yeah, actually, I think my song for that one, the, that Namachari, was like the founder, inventor, she said father, and I thought that was awesome. So, um, so yeah, it was a hackathon. We, I mean, it was a hackathon in 2019, pre-pandemic, right after Cosmos Hub was launched. Uh, you know, there's nothing really going on. No, I've seen nothing, but the, the Hub was launched. The staking is awesome. Let's build something. And it is amazing hackathon in, in Berlin. And uh a bunch of CTOs, a bunch of companies came together. We thought we were going to make, you know, awesome smart contracts. That's a cool idea. Let's do it. And somehow we did it. So um, I got so inspired by the idea um, that I kept doing it. And also like just the design of Cosmos and the actor model, being able to integrate how you abstract the rest of the chain, all these design decisions we were making, discussing them. I thought it was great because we had really like a bunch of architects together in a room. And it was really more like this is the SDK I want to build. You know, I worked on the original SDK back like zero six seven eight. I went on my own SDK called Weave, which was like full protobuf first and, you know, uh, whatever, like client proofs and stuff in JavaScript clients, you know, before Cosm.js and everything. It was this, you know, written out in 2017, 2018, 2019, um, which I liked and was practical, but it's still, you know, 
I felt like Cosmosm for me felt even better for composition. Like it was really this beautiful composable mechanism. And um, I enjoyed it very much as infrastructure, as design, as like, you know, building it secure first, but super composable and modular. So I, I really just enjoyed it and just have gone full in that and dedicated myself, quit all of my jobs and said, I'm going to build this, even if there's no funding and eventually funding came. Wow, that's really cool. So like in the end, at the end of the hackathon, what was, what was there for Cosmosm? Like what was working, what was not working? Well, we could compile a contract. We were a contract in Rust. It was able to receive tokens and send tokens. Um, it was a simple escrow. You would set it up and you would set, uh, you know, uh, arbiter and a recipient and you send tokens with that. And um, then uh, at some point, the arbiter could either return the tokens to the original sender or give them to the recipient. Right. Um, and so we had that creation of a contract. We had uploading the code. The code size was about two, two and a half megabytes at that point. We didn't figure out how to optimize it. <laughs> um, uh, we, had, we could upload it. We could instantiate it, multiple copies, and we could call this contract. And we had a UI for it. So, uh, yeah, Yehan from Theo is working a lot on the Rust stuff. I worked a lot on the Go stuff. He much better Rust knowledge and factored out that a lot. And Yehan and uh, Pablo from Wallet Connect was also on the team, and he was knocking out UI, which is awesome. And then we even like, uh, you know, after we submitted it before the presentation, we decided to go make another contract. So you like modify this contract and upload a second contract. <laughs> uh, you know, it was just like a cop cut and paste stuff there, but it was cool. It was cool. We did some changes to it and it was cool to see we could actually, you know, knock out an hour. Um, but it was, yeah, a simple escrow contract. It was able, had most of the functionality. You could have built CW20 with that stuff we had basically. Um, everything was raw storage. Like we didn't have any these fancy wrappers around storage or anything, but we had the raw byte storage. We know queries, you couldn't call into the modules. And the only thing you could do is, um, was basically uh, call other contracts, I believe, and uh, move tokens. But, you know, that's plenty to start. That's really impressive. Like, uh, I know the internals and there's a lot of code with memory management and stuff like that that came into that, I'm sure. Uh, and in just a few days, that's very really impressive. <laughs> and also, you, it, it's funny because we are, we are still using the escrow contract in our testing. <laughs> like RCI uses that escrow contract for some tests. So, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yes, my hack awesome contract we added on there, the, the hack item contract. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's there. It's going to say it for everything. But it's, uh, it's the basis. It's the basis of everything, kind of. And um, I mean, the reason we cut corners there, there's no gas meter. You get infinite loops in our code, right? There's no restriction to anything. It was like, you know, <laughs> it worked, but, you know, anyone could brick a chain so easily with that one. Um, the uh, main uh, thing we did is we cut corners. We didn't have our own FFIs. Later, we had to build our own kind of Rust library with lots of custom callbacks and do integrations much nicer. Um, and have gas metering there, terminism checks, all these other checks in there in the Rust code, tying and customizing the Wasmer VM. At that point, we used simple Go bindings ahead, and it worked. It worked somehow. There's some memory leaks in there. Uh, there's no customization. There's no gas metering on it. But yeah, I mean, it ran. So it was definitely, we had to go a lot further to, to productionize it over the next year. But I would say even by, um, you know, I was dibbling in a little bit um, for the part of 20, 19 learning it then 2020 is really when full on full on 2020 you know um i had something kind of working and then in, you know january 2020 said it went full on and by september you had launched it on, on secret you know you not only just launched it you'd actually ported it over to the trusted enclaves and launched it i think or maybe it's october terra had it in september and you had it in october i think or september and that was pretty impressive for me like see these two chains actually go live um within a year basically yeah, we, we had it on September and then Terra like went, I think, two weeks after us. Like, I don't even know if they, they did anything. They just, they just, I think, imported <laughs> your code. Uh, but yeah, we, we rewrote the Wasm engine to work inside the SGX. So yeah, it was a lot of work and was very cool when it finally worked. So yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> Yeah, totally impressive, totally impressive. So what you're doing now is this one zero upgrade. I'm very excited about this one. So um, I know you guys are like the OGs in the, uh, in the space. In fact, by the last man standing, I think, in the in the Cosm Wasm space. Um, I know you customized your own VM there and using Wasm I and stuff like that, um, which is cool, but you're actually compatible 
um, with Cosmos and contracts. So all these other contracts out there can use it, the same SDK, the, the, the contracts themselves run the same way, I think minus iterator feature, um, which is optional, a lot of these things. So, um, uh, but yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool that it's like actually as, as compatible as possible. We spent so much time to actually remain compatible. And now we have on zero, it's like all these new contracts out there. It's basically opening up to using these out there. So I'm curious about you, like, is it fully compatible? Can I just basically take my, do you need to change anything? Or can, and like a little bit, or do you can just take my Cosmosm contract from Juno or uh, from Stargaze and stick it on secret and suddenly it's a private contract? Um, yeah, does it work just like that? And yeah, what are you excited about seeing coming over to secret? Yeah, so we do uh, have uh, WasMI instead of WasNo. And we try to keep uh, like all the APIs the same. Uh, but I think like there's one thing that we couldn't like hide from the contract, which is the um, when you call another contract via a sub message, you also need to know the code hash of that contract uh, because we use that in the in the encryption scheme. Um, like the uh, code hash of the code of the receiver uh, needs to be used in the in the encryption in order to make sure that uh, like the receiver contract is the only one that can decrypt the message. So when you call another contract, uh, you also have to specify the code hash. Uh, and then yeah, there's no iterators, which I think was a mistake, and we are going to implement it uh, soon after the. V1 upgrade. Um, and then there's also no contract migration, which we are also going to implement soon. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I think you can take like a Juno contract and maybe with minimal uh, alterations uh, right on secret. Like obviously I think iterations is a big like feature uh, and a lot of libraries use it. So uh, that might be challenging <laughs> to like port those libraries without the iterations. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I think 98% compatible, 99 maybe. Cool. Yeah, I mean, the iteration, if people know, are listening in, what it is is right now you can just read, you know, if you have a key, you can read the value, right? Like if you say show balance to this person, you can find it. But if you want to walk over all balances of all, all people, for example, um, that's called iterator. And some things, and you can do an order, ascending order, descending order, and scan it. It's basically a prefix scan in a database. You, um, Ethereum doesn't really let you do that and try as a hash. So you can't actually iterate over space because you only can iterate over hashes. And that doesn't make sense anymore. So, for example, like Ethereum tries to not allow it, but IVL tree does. So we actually left it a feature in the beginning because the original design of Cosmosm is like, I wasn't even sure if the SDK would pick it up, if people would pick it up. So we like made this VM that could be plugged in other places. And so kind of anything that was not, you know, generic blockchain, we kind of left as a feature, um, a flag that we could you could turn on or off, right? So by default on, but you can turn off iterators. A lot of chain projects don't need it. So CW20 doesn't really need it, right? When you transfer tokens from A to B, you just need to tell my balance and your balance and we adjust them, right? We check one single thing with the config. So those type of things don't need it. Um, and there's, you know, kind of a nice query, show me all my tokens. There's more complex contracts out there, like the Dowda voting contract. That's actually one of the coolest ones I think out there. I'd love to see in you guys playing chain. Um, and what that does is it takes snapshots often of the balance. So if you want to say, hey, what is, we implemented a lot of very, very powerful features using iterators. For example, if I want to say, um, show me the historical balance of this address at this time. Um, well, I could go through at that time. I say, I'm going to take a snapshot. I could take a snapshot and copy all the balances of everyone over into another data structure and keep that for the future, right? That's really expensive. It could be thousands or millions of reads and writes, depending on how people. That's like you can't allow arbitrary blockchain. You can't do order and stuff. Only order one, constant type, right? So um, what we did and how we implemented that was it wouldn't do anything. It will just maintain from that point into diff. So if you change... So I take a snapshot at time X, and if I change that value after time X, I will store a diff there. Say at height, height you know, 17, uh, you know, height Y, it changed, right? And if I want to find the, um, the, the value at time X, basically I'll say I will iterate through those changes 
from my current height backwards to that height. I will find the most recent change if there was one, which is the new value, right? Or if there was not, or no, I said the latest change, the first change after that height between mine. Um, and if there was no changes since then, then it was actually the current value, right? I find the first change, and if it wasn't one, there's a the current value. So we actually have to use iterators to that. So it's a very um, lazy snapshot, I call it. I think it's a very, very powerful data structure, but it does require iterators. And so it's not iterators you think of it's under the hood completely, but it's actually I think very powerful one for voting. Um, so yeah, I'd love to see that. If I don't know if that's possible to iterators here, but that's really like that one thing, the snapshot map and secondary indexes, which kind of need it. So, so yeah, it's totally possible. Um, our logic like back in 2020 was that uh, using iterators, the contract can expose like uh, data of other users. Um, but that logic I think was flawed because like if you're the contract or if you're the contract dev, you can implement it however you want. Like, so, so yeah, well, <laughs> we're gonna implement iterators. I think the major issue right now is that our encryption scheme uh, like did not take that into account. So maybe it's going to be harder to implement like uh, ordering of keys and stuff like that. Uh, we'll figure it out. But yeah, it's totally possible and secret. Or you could come up with another implementation of snapshot map that doesn't require iterators. Uh, <laughs> you have another trick that doesn't use iterators, and then you can just drop that in, like some compatible map, and then other people use it. Because that's really, I think, the biggest uh, use of iterator I've seen. There's a lot of helper queries. A lot of people have helper queries that use it, which are totally optional query helpers, right? Like, show me all of these people, right? Iterate over them all, show me all the, all the proposals which is not needed, it can be done in an off-chain database. It's not actually needed for the logic, it's needed for clients. Um, but snapshot map and secondary niches are the ones I see that are actually used for the main logic. And so uh, you, the other way of just basically implementing other implementations of those using your contribution scheme. Um, but I feel like once you have those snapshot map and the secondary indexes, um, even the different implementation of them that has the same API, you'd be able to really get a lot, a lot of those contracts out over there. Um, I mean, more powerful ones. So. The simple ones don't need it all, and the more powerful DeFi ones and those DAO contracts really do seem to use them. Yeah, that's a good feedback. Like, uh, my thinking is that we wanted iterators because we want to use like libraries that are written for Juno and Terra uh, without rewriting them without iterators, um, like to reach uh, feature parity with them. But uh, that's a good feedback. Well, I'll take a look at like snapshot snapshot map. Thank you. <laughs> it, it basically, the change you have to change the code anyway a little bit. The change you go into state.rs and you change it from import causalism plus snapshot map to import secret plus snapshot map, for example, right? And suddenly it's one that doesn't use iterators, for example. If you that might be an easier way, right? Just not you wouldn't allow everything. You wouldn't allow some 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 helper functions, but a lot of this stuff is niche on clients anyway in like backends. Um, but anyway, I want to go over to IBC. So I think um, iterators one 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 thing I see that that you know I really see like with that your full feature parity um, with those things. Um, but I think IBC is really cool because so far you've basically had a token IBC, right? Like so, I think one of the biggest use cases of secret, as I know, is I will have a token on my chain, Juno, Osmosis, Adam, whatever, and I say I want to swap it with privacy. So I'm going to send it over to secret and then there's this snip 20, I think. And then when you're in snip 20, you can stick in a DEX, right? And so maybe you can go into that one. Um, how are you using IBC now? It seems like right now is you can kind of take assets from other chains, put them in secret and then some kind of secret network and then kind of like secretify them, right? Like, so maybe you can explain how that's working now and maybe how you can see this evolve in the future. Yeah, so uh, SNP20 is like our version of CW20. Um, it's a token with private balances and transfers. And, and up until now, we, we had like only the IBC transfer up. So you could send like a Juno or Smosis or Atom to Secret and then wrap it as, as SNP20. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, 
And then you get like a private transfers and balances on your like Juno, Atom, uh, Osmo. Um, and then we got like that feedback from uh, different groups around the Cosmos ecosystem that they are using it to, to do payroll. Um, like the employer will pay uh, the employees using the secret token version of like a, a Juno, Atom, Osmo and to not reveal their salary. So that's cool. Um, that's a very cool use case, actually. Yeah. Thinking, a lot of things you're like, if I'm trading on a DEX, I'm not really that worried about privacy and stuff like that, a lot of places. But yeah, if you're, you're paying all the employees in, in, generally people are saying, hey, we don't, some places are fully transparent, some companies are, but a lot of companies don't want to show this out because some people oh, I want more employee who, who, everyone's like fighting over salary kind of, right? So if you do pay your employees in crypto, it's completely transparent. Maybe you want that, but maybe you don't. And so like, there's no other way of like, obviously all the employees know your address. They see who's sending to who, and they see all the other employees' salaries. So it's actually cool that everyone can, you can pay privately and they can withdraw when they want to, whatever size they want to. And um, yeah, that's a really cool use case. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and then there's also like, we have DEXs on secret and you can trade on them. And the first, I think, version of uh, DEXs on secret didn't really have uh, privacy, but mostly uh, front-end resistance because inputs are encrypted. Um, but I think we, we're getting a section, a second version of uh, DEXs, like in a few months, there are a couple of DEXs coming with cool privacy features. Like, I'm not sure I'm qualified to go into details, but uh, yeah, on secret, you can implement like privacy features for DEXs and that's going to be really cool, I think. Yeah, front running resistance is a big one too, definitely. Uh, you know, one thing is just keep it known who's trading what, but another one is saying basically the, the no notes after the block is committed, who will trade what, right? Um, so no one's running your stuff. I think um, for me, IBC contract is huge. So if you saw me at Seoul or any of the talks I did in, in Korea, uh, you would have probably seen me just blathering on about IBC from explaining how to build the contracts and how they're built to the future of the interchain, uh, to how to compose and what multi-chain composition means for new protocols and competition in the interchain space um, at Belasia, for example. So I've been really, really hot on this. I mean, I got red pill on IBC the end of 2016 and have been kind of waiting for that one. And now this has really come out there. So it's not just ICS 20, it's really like interchange accounts, interchange queries, and Cosmos on contracts. So I'll just give you a brief overview of where I'm coming, why I think it's amazing. So right now you can move tokens, it's pretty cool. They have bridges too, right? But this is allowing arbitrary contract calls. So interchain accounts lets you like call another contract on another chain, basically, right? So you have another account. So I have a, you know, either it's um, a DAO, for example, on my chain, or even a liquidity, a DEX maybe wants to do something else. And maybe the DEX decides to, you know, whatever balance is protocol by swapping on different decks, I don't know, whatever, it can do something on another chain, right? Um, any, any, any account, any contract can control an account on another chain and it'll send a message to the chain over interchain accounts and it'll be executed over there and get a result back. Um, so there's some issues in usability. It works, it's implemented. There's issues in usability, especially in composing it. Uh, it works well for the state where you're doing like manual governance on it, but if you want to compose it and actually stick into workflows, as a primitive in higher contracts, there's some issues like lack of callbacks. Like you don't know if it failed to exceed it on the chain. You have to actually have an off-chain client watching it to see if it succeeded or failed or what it just did. So um, it works fine for like the governance DAO use case maybe, but not for these other more complex ones. Um, so I was going off and like how you can make this better, right? And so I've had discussions with the teams technically, but also is imagining um, how you could iterate it. And I found the problem with in IBCs, they've been very methodical. They've been very good primitives. These are very, very solid building blocks. It's wonderful foundation work, but they're not a product team. So the IBC team has built these amazing foundation products which are super stable and strong and build on top of them. It's not going to fall down under you. Not like these other bridges that fall and get hacked, right? It's like this super stable foundation and they build pieces as super stable foundation, not as products and not in product lifecycle, right? But if you say, hey, they do 95% of the work, I actually only want to do the last 5% on top. You know, we can do this an app logic. Um, that's a whole other speed of development. And I really think that's the future for multi-chain applications. 
So what you can do with contracts now, and this is, you know, we've been able to do this for about a year now. Um, it's only interesting when you have multiple Cosmos on chains, really. So there's, um, you can launch a Cosmos on contract on a chain that speaks IBC directly, not like just using ICS20 transfer, it speaks its own protocol. And you can launch a contract on, you know, right now, Juno and Osmosis, for example, and they can have their own protocol, own packet format, and speak back and forth, they can talk to each other. And so with that, I built Energy Accounts as two contracts, one contract calls another contract, right? And it's a different wire protocol than Energy Accounts with the same functionality. And then we said, hey, let's add some stuff to it. And it was really cool to see uh, in, in Seoul in the hack, Adam, I showed this to Jake Hardell from Juno. He thought this is awesome. And in the course of that night sometime, I don't know, uh, three in the morning, we're looking at stuff that he was, um, you know, I started sometime at dinner time at two or three in the morning, we're looking at stuff. He had callbacks working on it, right? So when it returned, the acknowledgement came back, it called back the original caller. And he interesting queries working cross-chain also. Right. I went through later. It was definitely a, a late night hack. I went through that later, probably another day on it, cleaning up some stuff and, and adding the full tests. Um, the thing is real wonderful work. Um, full JavaScript test case, which is actually bringing up multiple nodes and running JavaScript test cases of actually this whole query stack working in real node environments. So I got that whole thing, you know, properly tested and a little more cleaned up. Um, but it's wonderful work. And you think about it, you know, he knocked out for the first time in a day and I spent another day on it. And we have these two, we have, you know, callbacks and we have interchain queries. Uh, right, working on top of it. So the level of speed, and of course, don't take that code upon production right now. You want to review it. You need some reviews on it. But the level of speed development is such orders of magnitude faster. That is meant for products. You clearly need to have reviews. You clearly understand this stuff and review it afterwards. But even getting three people to audit it afterwards is faster than kind of waiting um, X months until some team, which is really a, a infrastructure team, delivers something for your product, right? The product team needs to own that product, right? So I'm thinking... I say build as much as you can on these primitives they give us, right? Use the primitives they give us. And if you want to do something product specific, you can just, you know, write your own contract to speak their own protocol. Um, so I'm really curious to see how, so this is, I, I'm hyped on this, right? I think there's a whole lot of stuff you can do with this, right? And whether it's just, you know, a DAO a swapping on a DEX in a different chain to like, a lending protocol actually running in two different chains, splitting liquidity between the two chains. I don't know. Um, I think there's lots of stuff we can do there. And now when it comes to secret, you don't just have like just another um, chain that's more or less identical that might have different protocols there, but has actually fundamentally different attributes, like the privacy attribute, right? So actually, maybe I'm architecting some sort of protocol and part of it is, well, there's a bunch of DAO, something I want on Juno because, well, I like their DAO stuff and it's part of it I want Osmosis because I want to integrate really tight with their, their DEX, uh, their AMM. And maybe part of it I put in secret because I want privacy about this part of it, right? And I can architect now my kind of application on three different chains and just connect them with my own protocols. So I think this is like this space, a huge space of design, which is opening up now. Um, I'm super hyped on it. Um, I'm trying to help people learn how to build these things. I think is a huge problem. First, architecting, design protocols and implementing it. Implementing, I think, you can pick it relatively quickly, but the whole design architect of it um, is quite a bit still. So I'm really stoked about that. And I think one of the big things there is understanding what you can do with it, right? What you can do with it. So I'm really curious of how you see secret contracts working in this world. Like what protocols do you see in secret working and how do you see them working on other chains where like the actual messages sent to the chain is not going private, of course. So, um, and how that brown, how do you get the, what, what parts go in secret and how that privacy boundary will actually be able to use and compose these multiple chain applications. Yeah, like what you said really resonated with me. <laughs> I guess I, I'm hyped too about IBC contract. And like, I guess our first use case that we discussed is uh, offering like random number Oracle. Uh, on secret because you can store like private state, you can store private entropy uh, and generate random numbers uh, on secret and then offer that to IBC contracts to the interchain. Uh, same as how a chain link, chain link works on Ethereum. Um, so that's one, one use case that uh, 
we are discussing. Uh, another one is, um, you mentioned it, like uh, offering private voting, for example, for Dao, Dao and Juno. So how that would work is um, that there will be a private voting contract on secret that just tally the votes uh, and reports back. Uh, and then on Juno, the user will uh, encrypt their vote uh, on the client side uh, and then broadcast it on uh, to the DAO-DAO contract on Juno, which will just relay the encrypted vote to secret via IBC. And then on secret, uh, the contract will tally the, the vote privately. And then at the end of the voting period, the DAO-DAO contract on Juno will trigger a, a tally um, which will then report back to Juno the the final result like yes no or yes 60% no 40% or stuff like that um, and I think that that's a really really cool use case especially in Cosmos um, on secret we have private voting for the CFI uh, DAO for like over a year now I think uh, and the votes are really more balanced compared to the votes on like uh, native Cosmos chains. Um, it's more like 55-45 and less like 98% yes, 1% abstain, uh, half a percent no, or stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I guess there are a lot more use cases that I'm forgetting. Should, should I add some? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, just to quickly mention, like the, what Ethan here was mentioning is basically a, a chainless protocol. Like imagine uh, an application which is launching not on any single chain, but it's launching basically on IBC. And we see this coming already with some applications. I think Mars is doing it and then uh, some of the liquid staking protocols are also thinking about launching on every single single blockchain that enables IBC. So this is really going to bring cool things, but maybe to get back to some quick use cases, uh, one could also think about uh, private, uh, private liquid derivatives. So currently, the only tokens or the only coins actually that you can bring to secret are native coins. So you can bring Osmo, uh, Atom, Juno, uh, basically all those layer one coins. But after this update, you would also be able to bring in uh, tokens. So CW20 tokens can come onto secret and be their own SNP20. So there are two options in, in which we can bring liquid staking derivatives for the entire Cosmos, but private to secret network. Either, for example, Quicksilver or Stride could one-on-one -on -one integrate with secret network and say, hey, all our derivatives, we will actually issue them on, on secret. So even though the, the, the entire minting logic is not launched on secret, what we do is we, we transfer the tokens immediately to Secret Network and you can you can get them there. Or uh, we will have a separate account for you that controls them on Secret. Um, and that way, all your tokens, uh, all your liquid derivatives are actually private. And the other way would be if something like a Shade or uh, Polymer Finance or another dApp on, uh, on Secret Network actually issues their own liquid staking tokens for... Uh, maybe Atom or, or Juno, they would immediately inherit all of the SNP20 privacy details and you would have a, a private way to stake your tokens, uh, which is not really not really possible at this moment on any other Cosmos chain. So I think that is really a, a cool, cool use case as well. And I think then, um, as I've already mentioned, you get private voting. Uh, but one that is often, I, I guess, sort of... Um, not completely understood or not thought about, uh, an interchain DEX aggregator will be here very soon. I can't imagine the liquidity on Osmosis, Juno Swap, and Secret to be still for much longer. Uh, but there will be an app which just simply uh, calls contracts to all the different chains and uses all of their liquidity at the same time. So I'm really looking forward to chains going. Uh, it's not really per se a privacy feature, but to make sure, uh, or basically to implement 
uh, aggregated order books or aggregated uh, pool liquidity uh, across IBC, which will make the trading experience for all of us probably a, a lot easier. Awesome. Actually, that's a nice, nice breakdown there. I just was on a call yesterday afternoon with a DEX aggregator, which is spreading on multiple chains and asking me how to orchestrate the interchain accounts, right? They have like, they are running on multiple different chains on, within that chain, but like, let's figure out how to aggregate over multiple chains and how to do that. Um, and actually uh, pointing out some issues in the current IBC protocols, they don't work with it, right? Like you probably want a one packet swap message. You don't want to say move token, wait, try to swap, see if it works or not, ask it money back. Right, like that's too slow for your Dex aggregator, right? They might have moved too much. So you really want that one token uh, swap, I think. So um, we were discussing various things there. So it's, I think definitely coming, definitely coming. There, pro I'm sure multiple projects work on this right now. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'm I'm having orchestrate it, orchestrate it. And speaking of um, native multi-chain stuff, so besides doing doing um, doing infrastructure, um, I'm also launching well co-launching whoever I'm part one of the founding team of wind DAO, w y and d wind with a y dow.com um and it's basically a DAO on juno and we're looking to basically is a DAO that should be controlling many things on many chains uh we'll launch multiple it will launch multiple DeFi products on multiple chains and connect them and ideally we'll have something secret as well right so i'm looking at how to orchestrate that and how to to do that so we're discussing that right now and right now it's basically just optimizing the governance, the token distribution stuff so far, and then how to do it. If we launch a protocol on the chain, how the governance live on one chain, the protocol of another chain, how do you handle the updates to it, the revenues, how does stuff like that work? How do you integrate these two protocols that want to be integrated between chains? Do you move the token and then do it there? Do they integrate how? So I'm definitely working on that and I'm really, really excited about that. Um, I've seen what Mars is doing with some question accounts. A lot of these are doing them. I see they're doing the first step basically of like, you know, using interchain accounts uh, to control another chain. Um, and I think I definitely want to go, go a few levels beyond that one and also take advantage of um, these features. So it'd be awesome to say, hey, um, this has, you know, a uh, staking derivative on, on Juno and it has some native a DEX uh, thing on, on Osmo and have a privacy feature on, on Secret and really integrate those together into one coherent application rather than just independent applications. So yeah, I'm working on that. And if you're curious about it, check it out online. Uh, we're definitely, uh, we had an airdrop. We are launching the DAO in a month or so. Um, so it's coming up, but it's definitely for me, my, in a way of like applying this theory in the real world. And, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are flying this theory and I'm docking a number of teams doing this. So it's really, really exciting space. That's really interesting. Uh, like the plan is to have a set of contracts on Juno that control other chains. So for example, on Secret, you can use uh, interchain accounts and IBC contracts to talk with them. And on other chain without Cosmosm, you can use uh, interchain accounts. Like, is that the plan? Uh, definitely. We're focusing mainly on Cosmosm chains first. We can write our custom protocols both sides. Um, We'd support Atom Legacy, and I don't know there's much there except staking derivatives, really, right? So there's probably some support for doing that there. But there's not much on Atom, really. It's like, what do you compose with an Atom, right? It's not running, like you're taking off the decks off of it, and they'll have ICS, which you can't really invest in, so staking on it, right? So there's not many apps on it. Um, so we'll probably do that to lower the priority. Everyone else wants to stake Atom, right? But like, I'm really interested in Cosmosm, because you can do more interesting. Uh, when you have Cosmos on both sides and the contracts on both sides of the IBC, and you can evolve that protocol, you can do all kinds of interesting stuff. So um, I gave an example before on, on the episode center a little while ago, and it's really a DEX. So we're not building a DEX. I'll just tell you straight up. Wind protocol will not build a DEX. There are two people building DEXs. I'm not competing with anyone in that DEX space. We're not going to build any DEXs. But if I were to build a DEX and I wanted to multi-chain it out there, and maybe, you know, Osmosis is hearing this and goes, ha, we're doing this now. Um, they or, or do a swap or someone else like so if you have a dex on a chain it has a lot of liquidity right but you say okay we're going to go multi-chain so you launch a second dex on a second chain and it has very little liquidity you have your brand name right but you don't really have any other liquidity so how do you handle that right the price is wrong so imagine this instead of building like interesting accounts it's like we're going to actually build a branch we're just not doing a copy of it we're building a subsidiary branch on the on chain b Right, and so the parent DEX will launch a subsidiary branch. Now that branch is actually controlled. So they have their own authenticated protocol that communicates between these two chains. 
right? Only is between the parent and the child. Not any arbitrary user, just the parent and the child have their thing. They say, okay, this contract, this one connection, one channel is made and we trust this one channel. The parent can then send tokens down that to the child, right? A small percentage of liquidity and price feeds. So while the price is relatively stable, you can move like 1% or half percent of liquidity of the parent onto the child and give a price feed of what the proper price is. And the child can basically trade at that price with a small slippage in that little one and a half. You can calculate, you know, basically the parent has X and I'll just have, you know, the little difference on mine. Um, you can do that. And as long as relatively stable, it will actually work. You will get a slippage of the parent chain. It will net out every you know, minute or so between the two of them. And uh, you will basically get the benefit of ha using a DEX with effectively super high liquidity, right, on the child chain. Um, but, uh, you know, you'll be able to trade more than 1% of the total liquidity in a swap because we have, you know, only some there. But as long as you're trading within 1%, you will get the nice, the slippage and the low curves and everything as if you had the huge liquidity. If there's a big run, well, people run, the price drops, will run to one end, it just runs out of liquidity. And then it waits till the parent updates the new price feeds, it does something, and it will balance liquidity out later, um, and then you get new prices. So you will stop a run because it doesn't have much more money. And so you can do that. And so mostly you will basically immediately be able to say, hey, I have my decks with lots of liquidity on chain A. I will make a subsidiary on chain B, which is access effectively to all the same liquidity I have on chain A, right? It means that parent will have to trust the child. The child will have to trust the parent, right? So it's a two-way relationship of trust there. And they're not just two non-trusting protocols, actually one protocol that's effectively running on two chains because the trust boundary, um, IBC is not the trust boundary. Often you say, okay, I am, one account on chain A talking to another account on chain B, and they're, they're foreign things, right? There's a trust boundary is the IBC boundary. And in this case, IBC is inside the protocol, right? So there's no trust boundary there. It's actually like trusting the other side is me. I am the other side. It's just like if I have a, a protocol made of three different contracts calling each other, they trust each other, right? Oh, this is the admin contract. They can do what they want with me, right? Like we're, we're multiple contracts making one DAO. It's clearly, we're trusting each other. But then these other external ones are not part of the DAO. Well, we don't trust them. They're limited what they can do. So I think there is this, um, this huge potential there, actually, I think. And this is really what I, I look forward to once we figure out how to go beyond token transfers and internet accounts is really saying, let's make these protocols are kind of authenticated protocols. So we have you know, one protocol that spans two or three different blockchains and it actually like parts of the contracts, they're calling other contracts a part of themselves, basically part of this one protocol and the trust boundary, one, one application basically is running parts of the application, different blockchains with a trust boundary, not in IBC level, but like with the user interactions on different blockchains and IBC is fully trusted. So I think there's a whole other way of architecting applications. Um, yeah. Yeah, wow. So as long as you trust both networks, uh, you can say that the app is secure, I guess. That, I mean, that's yeah, either net, if, if, as you assume, first of all, that uh, we've audited both contracts on both sides and they're by the same, organization makes them both and should audit them both. And that's, of course, either contract is hacked same way as if you have three contracts in your lending protocol, and even got hacked, your lending protocol is hacked. Um, and if either chain is hacked, yes, then you're broken. So you probably do want to make sure that both chains are stable chains. But like, you know, those are both, the chain hacked is a pretty, pretty far-fetched one. I see more, more of the code hacks happening, you know. So yes, you want to be a little careful there, but I think it's definitely, um, uh, normally you, you yeah, it's a little bit of risk there, but generally, as long as you do a proper auditing and a little more auditing than you would a normal application, I think it can allow a whole new class and whole design frame. That's a very, very cool idea. Like having an AMM with branches on other chains. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Hey guys, let me interrupt real quick. Sounds like a good stopping point, maybe. Uh, this is usually the time we open it up for questions from the audience. So if anybody in the audience has questions for Ethan or Asaf, go ahead and start raising your hands and we'll get you up on stage. But in the meantime, you guys keep talking. All right. Yeah. Happy to hear questions, especially if I should explain something again. So in this thing, I'm really thinking about like, uh, this is my framework, my mental model I kind of explained, right? So um, that's what I'm building out there and building tooling for it. I'm happy to help anyone, you know, build this stuff out there. Um, I'm using window. And one thing I'm, I'm thinking of is how you'd build these things, right? So this branch model is one idea. And so I think really, um, moving parts of it to the place they belong. So like 
if I have an application, I don't need the whole thing private, maybe only part of it private. So I like your idea of the voting app, really. I like the idea a lot. I think that's amazing. So um, if you just have like the, the voting aspects of it private, and maybe this is part of it, maybe you'd actually have like a uh, sub DAO, the wind would say, hey, we have a sub DAO that lost private voting on, on secret network. Right. And then we trust that fully. So basically we'll have full control of that, that decides something, it will then be treated as a full vote. Right. So you might be able to delegate um, some voting modules. So this actually is a really cool thing. And um, in, in the DowDow stuff, V1, you have multiple voting propo proposal types. Right. So we could have like, for example, a proposal or multiple choice proposal, ranked choice proposal. You could have a gauge proposal and all basically, if any of them vote on something, they could execute a transaction. Um, with the same address. So you could actually have maybe like the public vote and the private vote thing that certain aspects would be controlled by private votes, which is actually very interesting, especially if it's like, um, uh, you know, controlling multisig. Like, so if it's um, not like, okay, who thinks we should, you know, uh, launch a, uh, a, a stable coin on this channel or who will think we should launch an Oracle service or what, right? Like that's maybe it's public is good. But especially if it's like censoring someone saying, hey, uh, uh, who's appoint, appointing the people to this chain, uh, to a subcommittee, uh, who thinks we should withdraw their powers here or like make critical things, especially things that are like unpopular, popular and popular, like revoking someone's permission or removing some protocol or blacklisting something. Um, maybe that should be a secret vote. So maybe that'll be like, I have one sub voting module that would done secret for the secret vote they need as, as secret. We think of these important things you want to keep secret, we put them over there. Um, and I'm trying to wonder what other things, you mentioned the, the token swap thing. I think that payment is a really interesting idea of having like the payment, outgoing payments actually managed in secret um, remotely. So I'm trying to think how that fully work uh, because, you know, if you understand an account, the actual, that message is not encrypted or how you encrypt it. So I'm trying to architect it, but I think it's definitely cool to say, hey, these fragments of our large application vision should be secret and we just put them on different blockchain, no problem. And we have this extra power. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. How do you see the? How do you see moving secret stuff across things? So like, if I have a DAO on Juno that wants to pay out a bunch of people, I keep them secret. Those secret payments could happen on secret. But how would it communicate it? It would actually have to like encrypt the payment instructions off chain and then vote this encrypted blob on Juno. The encrypted blob then gets sent over the wires IBC encrypted blob, and then it was received on on secret and there that one it can basically be decrypted and executed in that trust environment or how would that work in your mind yeah kind of um you just can't have the public the private information on the uh, sending chain so if you're speaking about juno you can't have like the the payment info on juno you have you have to encrypt it before it reaches uh, juno otherwise it's not private so you somehow have to encrypt it off chain and then uh, via Juno pass it to secret to for, fulfill the payment. Um, yeah. Um, In my mind, I, there are like there are two options. I think uh, one is what you already proposed, which is like, what if we make a trusted setup where. We encrypt the data off chain, but the contract on secret is in the know of what is going to happen or what the, the encryption key is. So then on chain, everything would be private, um, but off chain, there is someone who knows what is going on because they have access to the key. And another way to potentially do it, which is, uh, I think, something uh, something Penumbra is actually working on, uh, which is... Um, setting up sort of a batching contract. So you would be able to, if more, if enough users want to pay out people from Juno via secret, and they don't mind the exact timing on when this payment is done, what you can do is do something. It's not similar to, it's similar to Tornado Cash, but a little bit different in the sense that um, you can send all the info to secret and on, on secret it will just wait for an arbitrary amount of time or even better you send a code with the information um 
on Juno to say, okay, hey, you can claim your tokens later when enough time passed. And then when enough time passed, so your anonymity set grows over time, the user can go back and claim it uh, again on Juno, but it will come via secret. And as long as this code never reaches the, the on-chain situation, which should be possible using sort of relay or operator structure, you actually gain uh, a, a, a transactional privacy protocol, which is working on Juno, but it's leveraging secret. But the timing part is here very important because otherwise chain analysis would reveal that one user on Juno sent something and then another one got something. Uh, you can estimate the amount of time it would take to pass through a secret and you would potentially know what's happening. So I think uh, when you incorporate privacy features into your app, uh, you have to first think of the privacy model. So, for example, if you want to do private payments, you need to decide first what, what's private, like the amount is private, the recipient address is private, the recipient identity is private. So, for example, if a DAO on Juno wants to pay Bob, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 atoms. So, um, maybe we know the identity of Bob which is Bob and the amount, which is 10 atoms, but Bob can encrypt the secret recipient address uh, on Juno and send it to secret. And then on secret, he will get the 10 atoms, but uh, to an undisclosed uh, wallet. Um, so that's just an example. But yeah, maybe, maybe to also circle back a bit, I think like private voting is very very important especially in democracies um like up until now on secret we could offer privacy as a service for payments mostly uh, for other chains but now with ibc contracts i think we will see that we like privacy as a service on steroids um because the the velocity that you can develop Cosmosm contract is amazing. So it's hard to, I think, think of use cases right now, but I'm sure that in the coming months, we'll see a lot of cool use cases with privacy and like uh, against other chains pop up. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. And especially the private voting, yeah. <laughs> And maybe a quick comment for any anyone who's still listening. If you want to better understand some of these use cases and see how they work and, and read that out in a in a small article or blog, you can actually check out the Secret Labs Twitter. Uh, I think they've posted three threads over the past few weeks on different use cases, uh, voting, random numbers, uh, and I think one, one other one. Uh, you can quickly just check them out and see if you understand how, how privacy as a service basically will work over IBC. We'll probably help uh, understand some of the nitty gritty details if, if you're interested. Yeah, I think the random number as a service is also a pretty cool thing. Um, because if you don't, long as you don't need it, another chain doesn't need it right away, we say, okay, we will, you know, like uh, what's the thing Algorand is using um, partition or something or whatever. It takes a random subset of, you know, 10,000 possibilities and make a random subset of a hundred. Right. So you're like, I don't know right away. We just say at block height, you know, 50,000, we send a message to get a new random number. And when the request comes back, whatever that number it is, we use that one to side the next group of people. Right. And so sure. It might take it a minute to get the answer back. doesn't matter. Um, but the number could not be influenced by anyone else. Right. No one can influence what the number is. So I think that's a really, really cool use case, actually. You can build um, uh, having this random number pinger is a really cool cool feature, too. Um, and the voting as well. And these are things you can't be done by IBC token transfer, right? And if you're a relayer doing it, you're effectively trusting that multi-stake to give you the, re the random number, which is pretty lame. And with IBC, you can write a simple protocol saying, you know, query random. And it's it, it will basically, the trust boundary is like, you have a per, your query contract on, you know, chain X, your receiving contract on, on secret, um, and then the validator set of both chains. So if either chain is forked, uh, they can cheat you. <laughs> the chain, fork a chain, you're pretty screwed anyway, right? So as long as neither secret nor your other chain is forked um, and those contracts aren't hacked, 
uh, there's no one else to influence it, right? So all these other ones like Chainlink, a lot of it is basically, I think, just a multi-sig in the end uh, or some quote-unquote oracles, magic oracles is basically just a bunch of staked people. You know, we have a, a whatever whitelist is of people that have staked money on it. Um, so I think uh, having actually IBC protocol delivering random numbers is a very, very powerful thing because it's like the next most secure thing of actually having random numbers in the block header itself. Yeah, and people really underestimate the amount of applications which use random numbers. I mean, something like uh, a gambling app like Raccoon or uh, a game or... Um, I don't know. Those are maybe the simple use cases people think about, but even on a contract level or, or indeed uh, randomizing certain inputs or choosing who proposes a block or stuff like that all requires random input. And um, the, 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 the random numbers which can come from SQL Network are really secure simply because you have this private entropy. So looking forward to uh, if it's a very simple solution and it gains just as much adoption as uh, Chainlink, then it would be a, a really great service for the entire IBC. Yeah, whenever you want to do a fair decision somewhere in your contract, uh, you need randomness. Like on secret, it's instant, but I think with IBC, we can like nail down the chain link UX, uh, which I think is the best you can get. If you're not like, if you're not getting that random number in an atomic way, um, so yeah, random numbers are really cool. That's a really cool feature of Secret Network that not a lot of people talk about. Uh, but I guess with gaming on Secret, we're going to see that very soon. Well, guys, I hate to cut you off, but we are at the top of the hour, and this is typically where we end our Twitter space. Uh, Ethan, it was great to have you with us. We might have to have you on for a future space after our Cosmosm V1 upgrade is live, and maybe we start seeing some of these new use cases take effect. might be fun to have you back and discuss some of these things again. I'd love to be back. It was great being here and great talking to you, Asaf, and, uh, and happy to be back. And guys, follow me on Twitter if you want to, and I'll be dropping some more knowledge IBC from time to time. Sounds good. And we'll be back with Secret Spaces next week. We will be talking about the upcoming Masari and Cosmoverse conferences, so make sure you're here for that. Thanks, everybody, for attending. We'll see you next week. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Secret Spaces featuring Confio Tech on Secrets Upgrade to Cosmosm 1.0. Recorded on Tuesday, September 6, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep a hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Laser beam focused, Starscream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with a dead man swagger. Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men. Listen to the fatal man play a little ditty then. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion. Little den envision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the birds view. Gotta find cover. Wipe off the bird poop. Ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth. Slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion. Sitting 
in the middle men listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian lost in the maze trying to make the next billion talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian lost in the maze trying to make the next billion Spaces.